Hi, my name is Scott Kerland, and my best friend Lils Martin hates musicals. I'm Lils Martin, and my friend and acquaintance Scott Kerland loves musicals. Wait, what? I don't like, I don't like begrudging for it or anything. Wait, I don't know. I said you were my best friend, and you just called me a friend and acquaintance? Yeah. I was working really, really hard on creating this podcast for you where I show you great movie musicals and bad movie musicals because I love you, but you want to be a dick. We were supposed to court this promo for Hell is a Musical, and what are we doing right now? Sounds like we're recording the promo right now. Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. Be there. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all Nicolas Cages are not created equal. This month, July is Stars and Gripes. In our subject, we honored Brendan Fraser last year, and this year we are going to town on Nicolas Cage. We're talking about Moonstruck, so you know what that means. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. What are you doing? I'm telling you your life. Stop it. No. Why are you marrying Johnny? He's a fool. Because I have no luck. He... He made me look the wrong way, and I cut off my hand. He could make you look the wrong way. You could lose your whole head. I'm looking where I have to to become a bride. A bride without a head. A wolf without a foot. Tear me apart, Lisa. Snap out of it. You owe me 15 grand, pal. I love you. That's all I needed to hear. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Curlin, and we begin Stars and Gripes with Moonstruck, talking about Nicolas Cage, who, oh my God, he is a man who you can see his acting performance from space. And helping me is a first-time guest. She is a very funny comedian. She's been a dear friend probably, what, since we were nine yeah, exactly. Since we were in that shitty yes and camp together. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my guest is Janelle Draper. Hey. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. This is so much fun. I'm already having a ball just catching up. And it's this- been a minute. <laughs> I know. I know it's been. I wish we we need to catch up more often. This is so nice. Yeah. Um, wait, can you see my face in the video or we'll just take the audio from this? Yeah, it's just the audio. Okay, just making sure that I'm... Yeah, I, I haven't had a haircut in a very long time. I am not doing video podcasting. Looking good. You got a nice flow going there. I got Farrah hair. I got, like, my my wife the other day, she's like, oh, it's so fluffy. <laughs> Thank Hi. you. Thanks. Uh, so you picked Moonstruck. I gave you a, a list of Nicolas Cage movies, and you picked Moonstruck, which wasn't even on the list. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's in that movie. <laughs> yeah it's it's such a good one i uh recently have watched it at least five times because i was i was in a i actually i was in a play scott as we we're talking about our, <laughs> our acting careers here in new york my first play since the one i've done with you the red ruby of calcutta <laughs> yeah i i wrote a child's noir movie yeah. our play in in high school that you played my daughter Oh, I did? See, I don't well, remember. So I got bumped up to third or fourth lead as the voiceover of the main guy. Okay. I don't even remember the plot or anything. I just remember. Um... I do because I was head writer. It, we don't need to talk about it. It was bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. But anyway, so I hadn't been in a play in so long, and I had to. Uh, my friend, who's a comedian, his cousin wrote this play called Funeral. And it's based on their grand grandmother's life that happened. Um, there was a lot goes down, but anyways, I'm I play like an 83 year old woman named Dora who has this like thick Boston or sorry, thick Brooklyn accent. Um, it's very Italian. So I was trying to channel Olympia Dukakis and everything, and then I remembered how much I loved that movie, <laughs> and the acting is just incredible. And share 
is incredible. Nicolas Cage, incredible. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm not a huge fan of Moonstruck. Oh, well, then what the heck? Why are we doing? Because I make I I talk about movies that people like, and I also talk about movies that that I don't. Like, okay, okay. But so it's not that I don't like it. It's just it's just. This came out the same year as Broadcast News, which is like one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, and and Cher beat Holly Hunter. And and Nicolas Cage, who is the only person who I thought should have been nominated besides Olympia Dukakis, did not even get nominated. Right, he didn't. They nominated Michael Douglas instead, and Michael Douglas won for Wall Street. Broadcast News. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, this is a classic. Yeah, so I, I understood. All of my friends love Moonstruck. I'm like, yeah, it's it's good. Does your wife like it? No. <laughs> ah! I feel like I'm with a traitor right now. Uh, I'm no. sorry. It was it was actually her first time watching it. Really? And she didn't. She said no. Well, she Pat. remembers the poster. Like I always got Moonstruck confused. I because growing up, I was like, oh yeah, I love Moonstruck. I always got it confused with Witches of Eastwick because it came out the same year. And Cher, Cher is, I'm about to do another visual on this podcast. Cher's doing the same pose that she does in Witches of Eastwick, where she's like, ah! Yeah, yeah, it's her, like, signature jaw-dropping sort of. That is pretty trippy key art with, like, the moon and the dark backdrop. But if, if like, I'm, I may do a side-by-side when we release this. Uh, I may do a side-by-side <laughs> with the image of her from Moonstruck and the image of her from Witches of Eastwick. I'm looking it up now. That's awesome. Yeah. Also- well, yeah. I mean, watching it again, like, I didn't hate it as much. Like, the first time I saw it was, I told you, like, in 2000. Yeah. B- before. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It is a marker of time for a lot of people. Um, Sarah Silverman has a really funny joke about it, but we won't go there. Yeah. So, so I, I just remember um, seeing it, and I was like, it, it was fine. Like, most of it, because I was like, 12 or 13 like went over my head and watching it again I'm like oh wow this is very all about infidelity (laughs) yeah but I think it's also about second chances and connecting with your parents through ways you never thought you would and kind of just seeing people are flawed and oh also it reminds me half the things we worry about never end up happening like that final scene is hilarious when um Johnny, the character Johnny in um Ronnie. Loretta. Oh yeah. Johnny and Ronnie show up and at Loretta's mom's house, uh Olympia Dukakis's house. And you know, Johnny calls off the engagement, even though Loretta's already cheated on him with his brother, and yet he calls it off, which I'm it's like just such a perfect plot twist for me, such a perfect like twist of life. So- I mean that is things that happen that actually that that's good father for we have a rule on the podcast it's called the blockbuster rule also called the john curlin rule because my dad gave he was supposed to give a synopsis of the movie we were watching and he spent 90 minutes going through the movie beat by beat so you're in a blockbuster video you pick up the box of moonstruck and what does the back of it say to get you to rent it um a dramatic and alluring quite magical romantic comedy centered around um centered around three characters i guess or um i'm not very good yeah, it could be sarcastic when when lils martin's on she always makes it <laughs> like hysterical so okay centered around kind of a sad bookkeeper who uh has lots of gray-haired roots but she, her, and this is not concise. This is a long book cover. So her husband, her husband dies after two years, gets hit by a car. She Just a paragraph. Him. You're going into dad territory okay. here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I'd call it a, a ridiculous romantic comedy. Um, Where the moon makes you horny. <laughs> yes, the moon makes you horny. The moon depicts the mood and what you should do with your life and makes you risk it all for a chance with a man with one hand. See that right there. Perfect. And people who rented this also rented Witches of Eastwick. 
and mermaids. I need to go see Witches of Eastwick because I haven't seen that. You've never seen Witches of Eastwick? Scott, you absolutely need to get me a list or I, I'm sure you have it on your site of like okay so I'm gonna have you back on for the Halloween episode and we'll do Witches of Eastwick love it I'm terrible at seeing the things I'm supposed to see knowing the things when it comes to like pop culture and cult classics I'm really behind so getting off track of Moonstruck Witches of Eastwick yeah. Jack Nicholson plays the devil who wow. infiltrates this coven of witches who are sisters played by the lead sister Cher Love it. The middle sister is Susan Sarandon, and the youngest one is Michelle Pfeiffer. And he, that's a sexy trio. And he bangs all of them. What? Shut up. Yep. Does that mean he's? What he's, is that called? Not Eskimo brothers. That's something else, I guess. I guess what it. Bang- I guess <laughs> it. Uh, in the family, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that co- is called either. I don't know. But but he's the devil, and they find out too late. Um, the key art looks ridiculous. I'm looking up Witches of Eastwick. Oh yeah, yeah. You'll be back. <laughs> that sounds good. So, so this movie, this is my second share movie in under a week because on on my other podcast, Hell is a Musical, for August, uh, we're doing burlesque. Ooh. And I this this episode, I might be doing a ton of share impressions. <laughs> like, because really? yeah, like, because in the burlesque one, I was like, "Hey, it's me, Cher! Oh my god!" <laughs> like, and this eighty <laughs> Cher is different than old Cher now. Have you noticed that? Because she's like, "Snap out of it!" Like, snap out of it! Do you believe in life after love? I was shocked that she didn't write a song for this movie. We we know that for a fact. She would have been nominated for an Oscar and she would have won because the movie that won that year was Time of Your Life from uh, Dirty Dancing. Oh, wow. It was you a bad are... year. I oh, wish I... I had your name for, for this kind of thing. You're like an encyclopedia. Oh, I did me. a ton of research before. <laughs> yeah. I did it. So this movie came out. It was written by uh, uh, John Patrick Shanley, who is a playwright. And this movie feels like a play. I think that's my problem with the movie. If you don't like that it feels like a play. It totally is a play. It's a very simplistic plot. It's like how many acts are in it? Uh, Two, it's, it's a three act structure. structure. It's a yeah. basic three act structure because the first act is Johnny proposes and then he leaves. The second act, she finds Ronnie. And the third act is Johnny comes home. Very simple. I think what does it for me is the dialogue the love with the family, the fact she's at home. She's like, my, you drunk? She's like, no, are you drunk? No, I'm hungover. And then do you love him? I love him something awful. Oh, that's a too bad, Loretta. Like, I just love the very heartwarming, endearing pessimism. Pe- yes. <laughs> I really don't know where to start. Your hair's different. Ma, everything is different. Are you drunk? No, are you drunk? No, but I have a hangover. Where's Pa? Upstairs. Johnny Camareri showed up last night. What? He's in Sicily. No more, he's not. He's with his dying mother in Sicily. She recovered. She was dying. It was a miracle. A miracle? This is modern times. There ain't supposed to be miracles. I shouldn't say that I hate the movie. I like the movie, but I don't like it as much as I like broadcast news. (laughs) So that's tough to compare them because they're not really... But they were all they were both nominated for for best actress, best actor, okay. supporting actress. You're still bitter. You're still bitter about that loss. I I'm I'm the most bitter about Holly Hunter beating Cher. Holly Hunter is pretty you mean Cher beating Holly Hunter? Yeah, yeah. Cher beating Holly Hunter. Yeah. What well, apparently I'm having a stroke. Like <laughs> have you seen um Holly Hunter in um Thirteen? Succession? Oh, wait, she's on she, Succession now? Yeah, yeah. well, she was on Succession for a beat, yeah. Oh, was that this season? Because I'm really behind. Yeah, yeah, it was the latest season. Um, She's funny to me, the way she talks. Oh, that's like Southern? Joy hanging out with her. She's someone like, like, I'd rather, if I had to pick between Cher or Holly Hunter, Cher, 100%. Oh, I would pick Holly Hunter. But, like, Holly Hunter feels like my mom. 
Holly Hunter like reminds me of my mom. That's cute. Cher reminds me. Cher reminds me of my aunt. Okay, like your crazy aunt. Yeah, the fun aunt, the one who's like, "Hey, I just got back from from Martinique." Like, <laughs> man, a bunch of Cabana boys. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's pretty loose and wild. Um, but in this one, she's so reserved. Like, yeah, she's busy working, taking care of the men in her life. I love like how pathetic Johnny is when she makes him get on his knee to propose. Yeah, that was fun. Danny Aiello, I love Danny Aiello, who he just died like two months ago. He did? Yeah, he was old. That's sad. It was it was like when Brian Dennehy died two weeks ago. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, did he die of Corona?" No, he was he was eighty eight. Like he died of life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But, I'm not funny. But but Danny Aiello in this movie, he he looks like a guy who. I think that that speech he gives about Adam Adam and Eve in the rib sums him up. Like, I'm a God fearing man, but also I love my mommy. Yeah, it's so pathetic how much he loves his mommy. But then again, shares living with her mom, and she loves her mommy. You know, so maybe it's a bit hypocritical. But um, but. We're no, his is a little catapult. Like, yeah, his like superstition is in that the mom will die if he officially gets married to her. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. But it's also so Italian. Like in my house, we so my mom's family is pretty much full blooded Italians, and um, we are not allowed to have a loaf of bread upside down or it means like the oldest person in the house will die. So we have to like make sure all the bread is just dumb stuff like that. I mean, it's so bizarre. Um, okay. So, so I think, I think we just found pinpointed what it was. I couldn't relate because I don't come from a big Italian family. I, there, I'm, yeah. I, I'm Jewish. Like, so, yeah, so, yeah. so that's why I relate to broadcast news so much because Albert Brooks in that movie is super Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's exactly what it is. That makes sense. And yeah, Cher reminds me of my mom in a sense. And I think my mom like just loves Cher so much. And, and this is my mom's favorite movie. And it very much reminds me when all the family comes over to eat and everyone's being, everyone being each other's business uh, that I could very much relate to. So, yeah, I think that's what it accomplishes for me. Well, I also just think it's incredibly sexy the way Nicolas Cage, like, like you know, like sweeps Cher off her feet. And yeah, um, but her response like, is so weird. She's like, fuck, just take me. I don't care. <laughs> well, she's like fighting it. And then she's, you know, I think there's something there between the push and pull temptation that was kind of fun to watch the tension build when she cooks in the steak and. You know, she but she falls into that very uh, stereotypical, a patriarchal woman serving the man in the Italian family, which I hate to watch, to be honest, in my family. But it does happen. But then again, she also is calling the shots. Like she's also like wearing the pants in the relationship, and so that's kind of badass to see. So she's multidimensional. But I just like seeing her get all dressed up, seeing the first time she like gets her hair colored and and gets feels sexy first time in a long time. Finding her dad Cosmo, that was wild at the Vincent opera. Gardenia. <laughs> what was that? Vincent Gardenia is her dad, who he was in Little Shop. He was the shopkeeper in Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, he's great. Yeah. See, he he just reminded me like, uh, he creeped me out because he is a little creepy at times. It's just it, his nose looks like. A penis. <laughs> now I have to Google it to see it again. Like, uh, like he, he just looks so... He looks like the penguin. Right? The, wait, what peng, what the penguin, penguin from Batman. The bad guy. That Danny ah, DeVito played. Okay. Danny DeVito as the penguin. Like Again, something that I just haven't seen. I'm really quite terrible. I'm just starting a list of things to watch. You don't need to see Batman Returns. You don't need to see Danny DeVito as as a penguin in Long John's. But Vincent, well, Gar- but yes. so so her father's having an affair, and yeah. and the girl she's having an affair with. Did you think it was Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls? Do you think? It oh, was- I didn't. 
put that together. But she, she looked like Rue McClanahan. Yeah, could have been. It um, wasn't Rue McClanahan, but okay. I thought it was pretty wild that, um, or also pointless when you know Cosmos having an affair at the opera, and then Loretta's mom goes out to eat and then finds that actor from Will, um, that actor from Frasier, John Mahoney. What do you do? I'm a professor. I teach communication at NYU. That woman was a student of yours? Sheila? Yeah, she was. Is. Was. Oh, no saying my mother told me. You want to hear it? Sure. Don't shit where you eat. Huh. Okay, I'll remember that. John Mahoney, that was fun to see his face pop that, up there. Th- then... This movie is how he got Frazier. Really? Yeah. It was such a scene though so so that that's what i wanted i i kind of wanted the entire movie to be like like her pseudo date with with john mahoney like i would have loved for the entire movie to be olympia dukakis and john mahoney he's like like every every second act like a different student would come in and just throw water in his face and be like you're a pervert just randomly like that to see if well, that would have been more interesting than the Cosmo storyline. It would have been cool to see if she were to explore um, John Mahoney's character's love. If she was going to explore John Mahoney? Well, yeah, because when they get up to the house, oh, that was good. He's like, oh, oh, he's a plumber, right? Or yeah. she, He's like, he must have a lot of money. Um, because he kept like, selling people on copper. Yeah, he rips yeah. people off. That was just so funny to me. And like the father, I mean, the grandfather with all the dogs. It's yeah. Okay. So the grandfather is my favorite character. He's great. I love the grandfather and him and him and his dogs. But I I love when he walks in on on Olympia Dukakis and John Mahoney and she just, he's just like, hmm. Yeah. He's judging so fast when really his son is the one who's fooling around. I was very creeped out by uh, Cosmo's uh, girl. Friday girl on the side who is in in the opera house when she's powdering her chest. Yeah. I was like, yeah. "Okay, you're weird." I wish we could have seen the scene where he breaks it off with her. And do you think he actually does break it off with her? God no. No. You're right. He's like, "I got caught. My hand was in the cookie jar." Have I been a good wife? Yeah. I want you to stop seeing her. Okay. And yeah, and there's no, there's like no penalty for it. Olympia Dukakis was the best thing of this movie. She's incredible. She was fantastic, and she's from Massachusetts. <laughs> She is? I didn't know that. She, she, her family's from Lowell. What? That's so cool. Her cousin's Mike Dukakis. I don't know who that is either. Should I know who that is? Governor of Massachusetts. He was, like, (laughs) back in the 80s. Mike okay. Wow, you can teach me a lot of things. Oh my gosh, she's 88 now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she is fantastic in everything i i always remember her from um steel magnolias wonder where is she living now <laughs> i have no idea it'd be great if she just like i i'm walking down the street one day and i'm like olympia dukakis she received a bafta nomination for her performance in moonstruck she won the oscar and- oh really yeah Oh, and then she also, so she's a Greek-American actress. She'd be very proud of the fact I'm here in Astoria because there's lots of, lots and lots of Greek immigrants here and delicious Greek food. <laughs> Did this just become a travelogue? <laughs> Janelle's Eats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're talking about baklava today. Oh, yummy. So, yeah, I, I just, we haven't even talked about uh, the man himself, Nick Cage, who was... Oh, yeah, I get it. He was 31 years younger than than Danny Aiello and almost 20 years younger than Cher. Really? Yeah. Well, Cher. At this time, Cher was dating Tom Cruise. So. Really? So how old was he in filming, filming Moonstruck? 
So he was, she was age appropriate. So she was almost 40. So he was in his mid 20s. What? I wonder why he looks so smoking. Yeah. He looks like David Schwimmer in this movie. Oh, I never thought about like, that. Like I, when, when he's in the opera and his hair slicked back. Yes. Like yes. he's got the sad Schwimmer eyebrows. Yeah. What's David Schwimmer been up to? I guess I digress. The Schwims. The Schwims. <laughs> but, but he, as I was saying, Nicolas Cage, his performance could be seen from space in this movie. And True. the fact that he hates Danny Aiello because Danny Aiello distracted him while he was making bread. And it's his, hilarious. And he's just never worked through that frustration. Also, I kind of wish that he designed his hand to make his nub make the fingers move. Yeah, or just like give the middle finger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And why does he still work with bread? I mean, still works in an oven. If that happened to me, I would make a quick career switch. Well, also, why is the hand wood? You're working with fire a lot. Make your hand metal. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I never thought about it. Like why his his hand is so ridiculous because he's like, "What do you think of my hand?" Like th- this is the age where where uh, Nicholas Cage. Before he started talking like this all the time, he yeah he's kind of like doing James Gandolfini like. Oh wow, you're right. Never thought about that. I recently binged uh, Sopranos first yeah. time. What a show! Yes. What a sh- everyone was right. It is something. If you guys haven't seen it, a little show called Sopranos, give it a watch. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have had 22 years to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm real behind. Well, I actually remember my mom watching it when I was a kid, and I thought, this is such a boring adult show. She watched it with my grandparents, and now I, I totally get it. It's a great show. I just remember when James Gandolfini died, uh, I was so sad. So to get through it, I, I would always do a bit. I would I would do something funny to make me laugh. And I oh. I, I, I joked that, that because he was in Italy, <laughs> I, joked, I joked that he... Uh, was in a pizza place and he's like, wait a minute, if I eat this extra large pizza in under 10 minutes, I get a free hat. <laughs> <laughs> you should go back to doing stand-up. Do you think you will? Yeah, probably. God, I <laughs> When was the last time you, you did it? 10 years ago. Oh, shucks. Yeah, in, in LA. Dang. Yeah. Um, where did you get on stage in LA? Oh my God, I forget the place. It was like, no, it it wasn't Meltdown Comics. It it was like somewhere down down by Sunset. Burbank or West Hollywood? Oh, um, it was probably Burbank. The Haha Cafe Comedy Club. That sounds that actually sounds familiar. Yeah, but but yeah. So I I just Cage and his voice in this movie drove me crazy. Yeah, his his voice is insane. Um, I think it kind of works for him though i mean that's a good point i didn't realize he's trying to be james gandolfini so who was he before moonstruck what films had he been in like what was how did he get this role okay so at this point well he's he comes from a very famous italian family you may have known know them the coppolas oh right he's francis ford coppola's nephew his real name is nicholas coppola he did a big step up. Yeah. So so at this point, he's done Rumblefish. His first role was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was one of the buddies of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ju- uh, Judge Reinhold. Um, so he... His middle name is Kim. <laughs> yeah. Nicholas Kim Coppola. He didn't want to go by Coppola, so he just decided Cage. Because he didn't want people to give him roles because of his family. And then he got roles because of his family because his uncle put him in everything. His first big role was in Valley Girl. Did you ever see Valley Girl? No. Should that be on my list too? No. (laughs) It's the story of Romeo and Juliet set in the valley, but he is a guy named Randy and falls in love with a girl named Julie. And uh, yeah, it's it's basically like Clueless in the Valley. Okay, yeah, we don't need that. So at this point, he was in Rumblefish, The Cotton Club, 
all movies that his uh, uncle did, that Francis Ford Coppola did. Then Peggy Sue Got Married was his big break, um, like dramatic wise. And that was another movie where he's talking kind of like Giovanni Ribisi. And then before Moonstruck, Moonstruck came out the same year as Raising Arizona. Which is which is one of my favorite comedies of all time. If you haven't seen Raising Arizona, I have it. Okay, him and Holly Hunter uh, can't have kids. They get married. He's a con man. Uh, he's a criminal, and she's a cop. And they get married, and they're trying to have a baby, so they steal one. Oh my god! Because this funny. family has like quintuplets, and uh, Holly Hunter's like, well, they got five kids. They're not going to miss them. Um, <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, hey, she's onto something. Yeah, she was right. Uh, so um, from there, he got this. He got Moonstruck because Cher saw him in um, Rumblefish, and she's like, "That's the guy. I want. That's that's the guy." <laughs> like, in the so studio, what? She picked him. Basically? Yeah, she picked him. She was going to drop out of the movie because Norman Jewison, and the director's like, "No, there's no way in hell I'm casting Nicolas Cage." Um. He's he's too method. Uh, they wanted Travolta. Travolta. Ugh. Yeah, it's like so weird. Like, yeah, that would have been so weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, wow, that's fascinating. And so she really held off for for Nicholas. Oh yeah, she was gonna drop out of the movie, and she knew that they were only funding the movie because of. Her power play. Why does she want Nicholas so badly? Because she wanted to make out with Nicholas Cage. Like, damn it, Janelle. Here are the breadcrumbs. Like, how did wait? How did he play? Like, how do you think they did the hand? They just like put. I really think it's just a wooden glove, and his hands are just in it. In it, yeah, that's a good point. Um, how ridiculous is that scene when one of the workers at the bakery comes downstairs she starts crying she's like he'll never know how much i love him and she just oh baby sarah gilbert (laughs) who's that she she looked like the daughter from roseanne didn't she she looked like what's her name again sarah gilbert it wasn't sarah gilbert but but she looked like sarah gilbert bring me the big knife i tell you i won't do it she won't do it do you know about me oh mr cameron what do you know about me Mm mm-mm Nothing is anybody's fault, but things happen. Who was it, though? Do you know the name? I will have to look it up. Um, you have to. I'm just curious. I thought that was a pretty good little part for her. I, I wish they called her Crying Girl. Crying Girl? That'd be funny. Uh, dramatic, I must say. Her name was Sheila, right? Or Patricia? I think it was Patricia. Um, Lisa Howard. Yeah, it was Lisa mm-hmm. Howard. Yeah, um, that scene was one of what was one of the the laugh out loud moments that I've had with this movie. Yeah, I I loved I loved what's her name, um, Aunt Rita. What's her name? The aunt. Oh, oh, and she would talk about her romantic nights with her husband. Yeah. The, Okay, so the two stories I want to see were John Mahoney and Olympia Dukakis, and then, then uh, the aunt and the uncle. Like, yeah, I did not care about Cosmo at all, and share her story was fine, but I feel like we could have got rid of Danny Allo's character, Johnny. Oh, it's a good contrast to the brother, and um, oh, what do you think about everyone falling in love so quickly? Well, yeah, that too. I was like, are there any moments that gave you warm tinglies of like, oh, that's romantic or that's sweet? Uh, the sweet, the me going, oh, that's sweet is when he's walking his dogs at night and he's talking to them like they're children. Um, <laughs> uh, but you talk that with your puppies. Oh yeah, I talk to I talk to my dogs like like they're my kids. I I just I want to see the aunt, Dukakis, and the grandpa. I, I wish they did it like little vignettes instead of like almost like a play so that yeah, we could see like yeah. their day. Yeah. So they had done it as vignettes. 
you would just see more of those storylines flushed out. Right. Individually. Individually, like almost like short films. Kind of like when Harry met Sally. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Uh, they should have consulted with you on this before. <laughs> you Ooh, mean when life. I was one years old? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I wonder if they would do a remake. Do you know there's um, Moonstruck restaurants all over New York? Or there's definitely at least one. I've walked past a if, lot. If there that. isn't one called Snap Out of It, then I don't want to live. What's Snap Out of It? When when he goes, but I'm in love with you. Snap. She slaps. <laughs> snap out of it. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. Oh, there are so many great quotes. I mean, the dialogue is pretty good, I think. The accents are on par. Um, um. Yeah, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, but it, it's just, it, it's so, there are certain things that, that were so weird with Nicolas Cage, like how fast he falls in love Considering both of them, that is fast. That is really fast. Like, will you marry me? It's like, come on. Uh, Also, I did. I did love how Cher being old at this point, like in the movie, like when they're like, "Oh, you have gray hair." I didn't believe that she was actually gray. Like, it it looked like when kids are like doing a play and they put like flour in their hair. Well, right now it's really in and and hip for people to have dye their hair gray anyway, which is so strange. But yeah, she she's funny when it starts off and she's um, collecting the money or she's getting the mustard or ketchup off of her boss's tie. Yeah. And then she's kind of so over the flowers and she just has like three jobs. Um, I think her aunt and uncle totally overreact when they thought that she stole the money. It's like this fact she's forgot to bring it they're like oh my god thank you oh they thought she stole it i thought they thought she lost it i took it as they were worried like they're worried about her like what's going on with her where's her money she's acting strange these days and that's something that italian families would totally do is like kind of just talk and assume like busy bodies sort of um that was funny to me but also felt kind of exaggerated um (laughs) I I do love the fact that um uh Vincent Gardenia Cosmo who created this whole shill for like he has this monologue mem- memorized like it's almost like his pulp fiction speech his like Ezekiel 2537 like like what you have here is you have pipes and they're rusted you have bronze yeah. pipes we can we can move it to red regular metal, but you know I'll be back here in a year. Now, copper. Yeah. So true. And then the young couple, you know, the wife is is questioning because women are smarter, and the man's like, I don't know, sweetie, we should listen to us. Honey, honey, man speaking now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ah, uh, that is frustrating, and that is very true. Um, I think the fact that it's romantic, it's at night, it's in New York. Uh, I'm still trying to sell you on it. I'm like, come on, it's good. <laughs> it's not. It's not bad. I, I, it's good. I don't think it's it's amazing. I mean, it grossed like eighty million dollars. Yes, it's a lot of money. I mean, see, I I like movies about like for for rom coms. I'm more of a Nora Ephron type of guy. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember that one. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. You've got mail. Like I'm Nor, I'm Nora Ephron thrown through. She wrote when Harry oh. met Sally. So okay, so that's more your cup of tea. Yeah, uh, this did just feel a little too unrealistic for you. How quickly everyone's falling in love. But I think that's the whole point of the magical illusion of it. It's the moon. It's kind of get. I think it comes down to the fact that you know, if you decide to be happy, you can be happy. And if you decide you want to be in love, you could just settle and be in love. I, and it's that love at first sight thing. I just wanted the moon to be more of a villain. Like, I, I wanted the moon <laughs> to be a character of itself and be like, ha ha, I'm making all of these people horny and they can't do a thing about it. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Oh, man. I, I just wanted the, the moon to be like a major villain to be like, yeah. you're married to her, but you're going to sleep with the girl with the powder. Yeah. 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 Like just start creating chaos. Yeah. Kind of living in the 
repercussions of what the moon is doing. I, I want a moon voiced by John Lovitz. Like you just see the moon. Oh, John Lovitz. That's a throwback name I haven't heard in a well, while. Well, he would have been huge in 1988 because he would have been on SNL at this point. So like, I... so so you just because they keep cutting away. I don't know why I'm pointing so much because people aren't okay. going to see. But you, they they cut to a shot of the moon for like a good minute in this movie. Like there's just a shot of the moon while everyone is like horning out. And- about that shot by the way of the moon yeah and i just would lo- love to have like a voiceover of john lovett being like yeah that's right <laughs> oh that's a good idea I you do have- my bidding i wish i had consulted with you Who created <laughs> this what's his name again the guy john lovett's no 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 the writer of oh the- john patrick shanley what else did he done john uh, so have you seen joe versus the volcano no, should I? Um, not really. It it was the first Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan movie that they ever did together. Um, he oh. did Doubt. <laughs> this is a very different movie than Doubt. Doubt. Okay. That's the one with Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman as the priest. Have it see that one. I don't need to even say anything else. <laughs> She's okay. a nun. He is. Well, a- he won four Tony Awards for that one. Yeah, but he's a playwright, so so like he's more about like realism. When you're making a movie, it needs to be way more ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I I just I find it hysterical that Cher in this movie, she she's the main character, but to me the main character feels more like Olympia Dukakis. And Cher kind of feel second fiddle i think shares a reflection of olympia dukakis or kind of a younger version of her where if olympia could go back in time well actually no she did marry someone she loved and she got hurt from him and she's saying to to shares character you know it's only it's better if you just like him don't love him <laughs> which shows like be be the one with the power like have the power in your side of the relationship it's kind of funny for women that are just always serving and and catering to the men, she's basically like, make sure you're in the power seat here. Don't fall for someone you love. I think she wants shared with someone who loves her, but she just likes him, which feels like a sad way to live a life. Like I'd rather be fucked over and love someone than be settling with some mama's boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you too, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I guess I would let Nicolas Cage carry me in his arms and throw me on the bed as I'm saying, no, <laughs> no. No, no, I'm unprepared. Totally unprepared. Eat me like a wolf, though. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I wonder, I can see why how actors fall in love in these movies if she's fighting hard for this guy. I wonder if they had any real tension, Nicolas Cage and Cher. I think he dated her. I'm not sure. I, I, do they end up, uh, do you think when they're filming, they like, practice making out and stuff? So it seems. I realistic? know. I, I know that one thing that people were creeped out about with, with, um, with Tim Allen was that he always, his co his co-stars Kirstie Alley hated it. Cause he always was like, I'm a very bad kisser. Can we practice kissing? And she's like, no, but like all the other actresses he's done movies with, we're like, Okay. Who did that? Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. <laughs> with who? The woman he played in, with um, um For Richer or Poorer? Kurt, Kirstie Alley? The Amish oh. one when, when they're, they're, you know, undercover. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, she's like, no. <laughs> oh, whatever happened to Kirstie Alley? Nothing good. <laughs> Scientology. Really? Oh, yeah. Way deep. Bummer. How do people, how come they don't see through this? I have no idea. Um, so yeah, as we as we get to the end of, of this movie, is there any takeaways for you of of like the hamminess that is Nicolas Cage's love story with Cher? Like besides the fact it's too soon. Like everything takes place in under two days. Wow. I mean, I think that's why so much of the population lives for these ridiculous 
trashy guilty pleasure reality shows where you're risking it all and you meet someone and then within you know a week or two weeks or a couple of days you have to get married move in with them all of these very monumental milestones that are rushed so I think there is a thrill to that to the fantasy of love at first sight because it is so different than reality um but yeah I just think he's so I just like the way he looks at her and when he, she shows up at the opera and I like the way how melodramatic he is in his own way. It's like him and Danny um, are definitely brothers. You can tell because, you know, Nicholas Cage can really hold a grudge. And then he can also be not, not be as dramatic with his mom, but he's like dramatic with Cher. Like my life will never be the same, like ruined without you. And it's, kind of sweet weirdly enough because it's everyone wants every woman I think wants to feel needed and wants to feel like oh I can change this guy like there's also a little bit of that like she wants to believe she can turn his life around like she makes him one steak well done and the rest is history she's thinking I can be a caretaker a lot of women are attracted to that which so you're saying that she believes in love after love yes (laughs) for sure i think so um i think it's so funny how she thought she was cursed and uh well her husband died after two years like he was looking for an out i think maybe it's too much he's like hey taxi i'm right here jumps in front no uh yeah it's it's a funny movie all those dogs in one house too how do they not go insane all those people in one house i don't know It, it feels like like I mean, this movie feels kind of like old school, like, like Italian verite, like, like new wave, like Italian movies. Like if you see any movies from Italy back in like the 60s when they were like black and white, there's always like the eccentric family with the the guy who has like a million dogs. Oh, that's that's a good point. So Uh, I I think that's what like they were going for. They accomplished that. Yeah. But once again, this feels like a play. Yeah, definitely. I've never thought of it like that, but it makes complete sense. And I think that's my problem with it is that it feels like a play. That's my problem. That was my problem when I saw um, um, uh, Fences, and even when I saw Doubt, like Doubt felt like a play because yeah, they're based like, on plays. They're separate places for this. Yeah. Yeah. So but maybe that's why I stood out because people that aren't as um studious or knowledgeable with film as you are don't they don't look at the structure like that they're like oh this is just an interesting simplistic story where like the dialogue pops the script pops the acting pops and then that's all they care about and they just want to fall in love with it for me and for people i know that love it that aren't like film buffs like yourself that's what sticks out to them so i think you bring up a great point but the average person might not realize put that together right like i've seen so many movies like I'm so desensitized. Like it takes- Yeah, of course. You're looking at it like, you know, um grad student, like this like the smartest of, you know, um the smartest film buff I know. So that's the way you're looking at it. Yeah. And most people <laughs> most people are like, oh, it's a cute, simple story about family and love and taking a chance and um I'm I'm like a doctor who has seen so many gunshot wounds that like like when <laughs> when someone sees a car accident and they're like traumatized, like a doctor is like just standing there eating a sandwich like hold on let me finish i'll be right there like <laughs> yeah exactly you're like give me five give me a smoke break I'll yeah be just give there. me five minutes like I'm, I'm just so desensitized by movies at the point at this point like you've seen it all for yeah. sure yeah what's your your favorite movie hands down is broadcast news no no uh we did it on the podcast back in june my favorite movie of all time is the sting and that's the sting yeah it's about con men that's going on my list, the sting. Yeah. Yeah, we did that um for my birthday month. Um, how many bagels would you give it? You have a, a baker's dozen of bagels in, in your bagel basket. How many bagels are left? I'm gonna be controversial and give it the whole dozen. It's, I I I did that for for sting. the sting. I actually took uh some of the ones that they didn't use that people threw out and I put them in my bag. Really? Yeah. Oh good. Resourceful. Yeah. Recycling. So I'm I'll give this nine. Nine out of thirteen. Okay. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. It like it's just I know this movie's not for me. This this movie isn't for for me. Like like yeah. like I 
I want a rom-com. I'll take Billy Crystal and, and Meg Ryan. I would even take Cher and um, uh, Jack Nicholson as the devil. It's just something about Nicolas Cage. I think if Nicolas Cage wasn't the guy, something weird. Quite a bit more interesting. I love Nicolas Cage, but he's so weird, man. He's so he weird. weird. He is weird. So I think people either love him or hate him. Ah, I think he's a genius because to do that many movies back to back, you either have to be insane or really smart. That's true. He's and, like a workhorse, I feel like. Well, now he is because he has to make money to pay off the IRS. But <gasps> Really? What does he owe the IRS? Oh, he owes them like $50 million. <laughs> Shit, really? That's why he's done so many bad movies. If you look at his IMDb now, it's like mainly direct-to-video. What? Why does he owe them so much money? Well, when you don't pay taxes for 20 years. Why was he just not paying? How'd he get away with that? I don't know. <laughs> what the frig? Yeah, his net worth is way lower than I thought it would be. Um, well, $25 million as of 2017. Yeah. Because he's still making payments to the IRS. Wow. That's wild. He's like, I'm not going to Wesley Snipes this. I am. <laughs> wow. So we've come to the end. Janelle, thank you yeah. so much for doing this. Was this. so much fun. Thank you for having me. No I problem. Really had, I really so thoroughly enjoyed catching up. It was so nice. I need to do this more often for sure. Okay. You got it. Um, I, I still, I'm saying it in October, you're doing Witches of Eastwick. Yes, I'm excited. I'll do my I'll do my homework. I'll yeah. watch it. Probably watch it with my mom. She'll probably be like, oh, I know that movie. It's I'm direct. Anything. It's directed by the guy who made Mad Max. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, cool. I'm excited. Yeah, he directed all of the Mad Max movies, made Witches of Eastwick, and then he made Happy Feet. Wow. All right, cool. I'm in for a treat. Yep. Well, so, thanks for having me. This thank you so for doing fun. this. Is there anything yeah. you want to promote? Um, Twitter, Instagram? Great question. I guess I'll say uh, my podcast with my sister will be coming out soon, which I know I um, told you a little bit about, Scott, and it's called Lips Don't Lie. And uh, more info to come. We're currently working on it, so we're excited. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Janelle Jokes and on Twitter at Janelle Jokes. And I'll be posting more um, like random one-off Zoom shows and stuff on there too. So Awesome. Yeah. And you can yeah. find us on Instagram at W-R-T-R-B-A-G-E-L-B-S-K-T for Twitter and then Writer's Bagel Basket on Instagram. And until next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Janelle, thanks for doing this. Thanks Bye. for having me. Bye. Bye.